So welcome to this week's Armchair Trader podcast. Today we're back in the world of cryptocurrency and we have with us today Jeff Hancock who is the CEO and the co-founder of CoinPass, um, one of the cryptocurrency exchanges here in the UK and we're going to be catching up on, on some of the big themes in the market at the moment. So welcome to the podcast Jeff. Thank you Stuart, thank you very much for having me, it's good to be here. So just to start off, um, can you can you give us a quick introduction to CoinPass, what it is you guys do um, and, and why you decided to set it up? Uh, I started CoinPass with my co-founders back in 2018, middle of a bear market, best time to have a startup, and basically came from a, a really simple request. How do I take a very large position in Bitcoin using pound sterling? In 2017, 2018, uh, there wasn't many platforms out there. You know, Coinbase was around, a couple others around, but everything was in US dollars and euro. Uh, I was an engineer in my previous life, and um, I was at SoftBank at the Vision Fund at the time, and very entrepreneurial space, lots of big numbers being thrown around. And my answer was, why not build our own? So we put our own money in. Uh, we got a couple of developers on board, and uh, basically we launched it in August of 2018. Uh, and the goal was to sell you know, one Bitcoin to one person and see if it had any legs. Um, much to our surprise, it exploded kind of overnight. Um, we were cash flow positive in four months and CoinPass was kind of born. And we always knew that, you know, this market is going to have legs. It is going to be big. And the biggest point of that is going from the old world infrastructure, like banking and payments, et cetera, over into crypto. You can't really regulate the blockchain level, but you can regulate the businesses that operate between those two environments. So we had the foresight in 2018 to, you know, do stuff compliantly. We came up with our own framework ahead of the FCA. And then when the FCA rules finally did come in 2020, we were kind of set up and poised to capitalize on that quite well. So it's been an amazing ride, but um, yeah, we definitely love what we do for our users. And for those who are less familiar with um, the cryptocurrency market, can you explain how uh, a firm like yourselves or a generic cryptocurrency exchange fits into the whole crypto ecosystem so we're kind of one of those like kind of i would call it a bridge between the old world and the new so you've got your you know your uh, your barclays banking your lloyds etc where you pay your mortgages or your kind of stuff out of you want to go invest into an asset um you want to go and open a stocks and shares account uh you'll open it with a hargy of lansdowne or plus 500 or something and you're going to make those deposits in in pound sterling but those kind of always exist on that kind of pound sterling, that kind of fiat world. And on the crypto world, you need to have an exchange to go between the banking layer, pound sterling, euro, US dollars, uh, over into Bitcoin, Ethereum, and all the other kind of tokens. So we facilitate that exchange. Um, we have uh, multiple trading pairs across multiple tokens. I think right now we have about 35 different tradable markets. We're about to add a few more next week, which is quite exciting. And uh, essentially, we form that bridge between banking and crypto onto one single digital layer, which is our, our original vision. And I mean, it, cryptocurrency exchanges seem to be, um, I mean, you've mentioned the FCA already. Um, they seem to be becoming the focus of, of the, um, the regulators in terms of the point within the crypto market where they think that's got to be the first place that we look at if we want this market to become more regulated. Um, what do you think that's going to look like in the future for, for businesses like yourselves? Do you think that the, the regulators are going to be asking more of you and that you know all exchanges will be required to be regulated? I think so, yes, and we're already seeing that. So you know, they had this thing in the UK called the um, Crypto Asset Register. It was a temporary program to try and get 
uh, all the exchanges that operate within the UK, um, to which there are not that many now, um, to try and operate up at the same level because not every company was the same. There are a lot of cowboys out there that will say they do KYC, say they do AML. So KYC is knowing your client, so knowing who you're trading with. Um, and the biggest one that, that the regulator and especially the banks are worried about as well is AML, anti-money laundering. So that's uh, it could be not just a drug thing, but also from um, you know illicit businesses, from uh, stolen goods and property, uh, through to just you know washing certain funds from from certain activities. And they were trying to use crypto as one of those sort of washing methods. So exchanges being regulated, I think, is a good thing. It brings a lot of legitimacy to the market. It brings a lot of trust. It basically puts uh, a crypto exchange like ours on the same footing as something like a bank, like the London Stock Exchange like that. Maybe not that high of a regulation yet, but for us to be kind of seen in the same light, to be trying to do really good, clean business in order to you know stop those illicit activities from happening, uh, I think is a healthy part of the business and it shows that the market has, has room to grow. And if someone someone's out there, they're, they're sort of taking their first tentative steps into the cryptocurrency market um obviously they 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 should be dealing with an exchange but there are a lot of exchanges out there offshore onshore regulated unregulated what what sort of criteria should they be using when they're dealing with um exchanges in terms of um, making sure you get the right ones what are what are the main factors there I think it really depends in kind of what you're looking for and what you want to do. Um, I ask this of a lot of people and sometimes they can't answer me. Are you an investor or are you a trader? Are you, you know, buying uh, certain increments over a longer term? So you're doing a very boring dollar cost average strategy or are you looking to, you know, look at charts and do limit orders and all that kind of other crazy stuff? And I think if you're really honest with yourself, some people are just investors that want access to a lot of new things. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's great. That's what the crypto space is for. Um, so I'd say, first of all, look at your jurisdiction. Look at local operators in that area because you're going to have to use some sort of bank transfer or some sort of debit card to get your fiat currency, your pounds sterling, your euros, your Aussie dollars, wherever, you, wherever you're listening from. You're going to have to get that into the crypto space somehow. So there's you know an endless number of mobile apps, uh, of exchanges, of you know little white-label products, uh, all the way down to just simple wallets on your phone. Uh, even Apple Pay coming out really soon as well, and choosing one that kind of suits you. And the reason I say a local jurisdiction is because if something goes wrong, if you need support, if your bank has a question, if your funds get held up and the exchange you're using is on the other side of the world, you're pretty much going to be at the bottom of the queue. You deal with someone that's a local exchange, maybe not as big as Coinbase, maybe not as big as Binance, some of the other ones out there. Um, But if you choose someone local, you're going to get a much better quality support. And that's something we've built quite strongly um, that I believe I've worked with a lot of service-based businesses over my life from, yes, the Australian stuff, bars and restaurants, et cetera, hospitality, uh, through my casino career, through my tech career, uh, was, you know, the customer always comes first. And we've always taken that approach to either answering a simple question, giving a simple answer. Um, you know, our our answer rates for our direct messages to our support team last week were, I think, 75 seconds was the longest period of time between a, a DM getting answered. And the longest ticket open we had last week was six hours. So, and that was actually a really complex one as well. So, having where you can get that little bit of hot hand holding, where you're not relying on a community of other users, where you can get direct access and get a bit of a bit of trust, uh, I think is the key to start out with. And then, really, what are you looking to buy? 
if you're just looking to buy Bitcoin, there's plenty of great services out there, including our own. But you know, if you want to do something more exotic, it it does pay off long term to do your research, learn who you're trading with, and really go after a strategy of what you're actually going to do because there is a lot of shiny penny syndrome out there in the crypto world. It's very easy to get distracted. That's a very good point. Um, and in fact, that the customer response times you've mentioned there are excellent um, compared with even mainstream brokers and the financial services providers. Um, I mean, I've just I've tried to call just even my, my own bank for um, what I do. I did like a one pound offer to get access to, I think it was like the Times or the Telegraph or something like that. And then they charged me for three months subscription without my permission. Uh, now, it's only £28, but it's not the point. Um, I think I must have spent at least two hours of my time trying to claw that 28 quid back before I finally gave up because there's nowhere to cancel online. You have to call them on the phone. You have to sit through the drudgery of you know the Telegraph or whoever it was. And it was a really poor experience. And even my own credit card co- company couldn't help me. Oh, you signed the direct debit thing. Yeah, but it's supposed to come out in June. Not now. I paid £1 for a demo. And I got flagged for the whole thing. So there's this almost a bit of injustice that the regular market can't do it very well. And the crypto market's almost doing a better job of finance than the existing place, which is kind of just laughable. That is crazy. I mean, drilling, looking at CoinPass specifically, are there any other key features of CoinPass when, when, when it's measured against other exchanges that you think you're particularly good at, particularly competitive on? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's definitely for our UK-based users um, and the reason people keep coming back to us. Uh, we actually started off live just as a really simple fiat on and off ramp. We never built, we never meant to build a full trading exchange. So we were going to, we wanted to be the go-to choice for anyone in the UK to get money in and out of the market. That was our core USP. Be UK-based, be fast of all things. Um, we don't ever set out to be the cheapest, but definitely not the most expensive. We wanted to be scalable, but also be the highest, you know, and premium quality support because there never is a stupid question. I'm sure any question you can think of that's ever happened to you has happened to someone else on the internet and you can figure it out. When it comes to your finances, you want that personal touch. You know, it's like I could pop this in the post box or I could go to the post office. Some people choose to go to the post office because there's that extra bit of service that gives you confidence and trust. And essentially we're in the trust business. That's what crypto is about right now. It's definitely on trust. So we've been able to build trust with our users very, very well. Um, We're super transparent about, you know, if something's going to take a day or two to look into because it's very complex or there's a problem or this is this, we always go for that customer satisfaction. Uh, At the same time, having that FCA uh, registration on our side, uh, builds a lot of trust with our not only retail users but our business users so people can have a, a retail their own personal account with our platform they can also have a business account which is kind of unheard of on a lot of other platforms it's kind of only really meant for institutional traders no one really wants to deal with a property investor that has 50k um, but we have probably 20 percent of our user base uh, are limited companies so a lot of clients have two accounts on our platforms one for their business and one for their own personal uh, and they might get their friends and their family. They start getting referrals, you know, and then soon you've got a, a little pocket of friends uh, that are all trading crypto together and, and learning together as well. So definitely want to build more of a community, definitely want to educate and help people, uh, and definitely paint a picture that crypto is for good. You know, ignore what you see on the BBC headlines because it's usually a story from 2018, and, uh, you know, do your own research, really. So we want it to be a UK first business, but be globally facing. So we do have clients all through Europe now as well, which is great. Um, but my heart is kind of still here uh, with the UK, UK fintech, and making uh, making crypto great again. 
I mean, you, you mentioned that you've got a lot of business um, users using CoinPass now, uh, which which intrigues me because I'm I'm obviously familiar with you know guys like fund managers using launching specialist dedicated cryptocurrency trading strategies or yield bearing strategies. But are you seeing more plain vanilla businesses starting to open accounts rather than just specialist trading operations? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we've got uh, you know bricklayers. That are self-employed um, that are using their limited company vehicle to invest into crypto because they, you know, they've got an X amount of capital at the end of the year. They could take that as a salary. They could take it as a big bonus. But as soon as the money leaves your your limited company and touches your own name, you've got you know income tax. You've got other other factors to think of. But if you can build up an investment portfolio in that limited company entity, well, then there's a lot of advantages to that. Uh, whether it be tax, whether it be capital, doesn't really matter. So it can. We've got you know uh, regular builders, bricklayers, uh, property investors that have excess uh, income from their property. Uh, regular business owners that might be doing some of their invoicing in stable tokens or crypto. Because if you're making over 100k a year, or they're doing certain different things. They may want to start experimenting with crypto or gaining crypto in other ways. So they'll do an invoice or two in in Bitcoin or Ethereum. Um, all the way up to a, a law firm. That partnered with us recently because they do a lot of crypto advisory. Uh, one of the leading ones in the UK called Gunner Cook, uh, that shows us as their crypto exchange partner, and they simply use us as a liquidation point. They do all the invoicing themselves. Um, they use it as a payment service. But there are some others out there that just literally see they they know more about crypto than they do about pound sterling, and they are using their company vehicles to um, uh, to invest in crypto just to have a an investment pot like a SIP or an ISA, and they're just accumulating every month. They're buying bit of Bitcoin, bit of Ethereum, bit of Solana, bit of Polkadot, they're building a bit of a diversified pot. They're not necessarily uh, trading it every single day looking at charts because that's that's not exactly what crypto is about. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the image is always of people dabbling, speculating in the market. But what you're saying here is that we, we're fast approaching that time when, you know, someone builds an extension on your house and then invoices you, you know, you can pay them in crypto rather than in... Yeah, I had, a, I had a plumber the other week uh, come by and was fixing a shower in our flat here, uh, and he was yeah he'd actually heard of us, which is kind of a bit awkward. Fellow, not celebrity status, but he's like, yeah, I know who you are. I'm like, oh, it's a bit awkward. And then he started pitching me his um his uh, he's doing uh, some NFTs or doing something like that. I'm like, wow, plumber's doing an F- NFT collection. That's awesome. You know, I'm always bullish about that stuff. I believe there's something in crypto for everyone, whether you're an investor, a trader, a collector, uh, a developer. Um, it doesn't matter. There's something for everybody, and it's not just the asset managers that are coming in. There are uh, we started taking on our first uh, SaaS pensions recently as well. So, uh, business owners or directors that have a um, a self managed pension fund. So it's 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 kind of mind boggling. I can the, the business we're in and how long I've been in the industry, I can still barely keep up. So um, it is it's something new every day. Every day. There's been a lot of um, sort of talk about, um, obviously, the sanctions on Russia recently, and um, you know how that's been affecting the ruble, and uh, also sort of people inside Russia and Belarus, and and Ukraine for that matter. What sort of um, effect do you think that's going to have on the cryptocurrency market? Do you think that the, the cryptocurrency, you know, if you're if you're stuck in a situation where you need to get out of rubles um, or move money out of the ruble market and you're inside Russia, does crypto currently offer that kind of um, alternative to people who still need to move move money around? And are you seeing any kind of impact from that at the moment? It's a really interesting question because someone asked me this the other week. Um, and, and there's kind of two answers there. 
So as, as a friend of mine, Kevin, always says, no matter what you ask him, he says, it depends. So <laughs> uh, on a personal level, if there are people trying to exit the ruble, um, I think in this day and age, globalization, there's always going to be a buyer. So yeah, there's been a 30, 40, 50% dip in ruble. Uh, there are people that are going to take an extremely long-term position on that and buy up every ruble they can find. Um, on a personal level, I see crypto as a bit of a liberator for that. Uh, the number of signups on Paxful and local Bitcoins during the first week of the comp, well, let's, let's call it what it is, an invasion, um, skyrocketed because they are not a traditional exchange. They are considered more distributed, if not decentralized. And there are a lot of people in there that were taking long-term plays on rubles. So they would accept those rubles in exchange for Bitcoin, exchange for Litecoin or Ethereum or whatever they were whatever they were selling. And the volumes on, the, on those ruble pairs were insane to what's been seen in the past. But on a state level, on a sanction-breaking level, it does not work. It's far too transparent. The amount of sums of money it costs to run a war, I don't think anyone really fathoms how many zeros on a per-day basis it costs. And you know, a tr- any one trade or any numerous amount of trades of that size, uh, there has to be someone else on the other receiving end of it. It has to be peer-to-peer. So how do you get $5 billion of Bitcoin in Russia? I'd love to see that because I don't think it's possible. On a technical on a technical standpoint, yes, it's completely possible with decentralization. But we also have a lot of on chain on chain monitoring tools. So as soon as you know uh, a Bitcoin transaction of that size were to go through the network, a bunch of Twitter bots would pick that up straight away for everyone to see, because that's the whole beauty about what the big, what Bitcoin block and blockchain give. It gives a huge amount of transparency. I don't have to ask you, Stuart. Did you get that five pound I sent you last week from my Barclays? Because who knows if you got it. I know it left my account. I have no idea if you received it. But if I send something to your, your your Bitcoin wallet or your Ethereum wallet, I can check that out. And then I can check who you sent it to and who they sent it to and et cetera, et cetera. So that's the beauty of it. There's anonymity to it. There's privacy to it. But there's definitely, there's definitely a huge amount of transparency. So on a sanction level, definitely not. There's no one selling $5 billion worth of Bitcoin that's going to go around sanctions to Russia to try and make... 20, 30 bips on their trade. Not a chance. Um, you you guys recently, there's kind of a double, double-pronged double question here. You recently um, added Solana to the platform. Yes. Um, it's obviously a very popular um, cryptocurrency. Um, do you think that it's got a chance of replacing Ethereum as, as kind of the world's number two cryptocurrency? Um. I definitely it's got some contention. And I think it's because of the way it's inherently designed. It, it follows obviously a completely different rule set, completely different sharding algorithm. But, you know, will it replace it? I think it. I think it's going to be you know, different shoes uh, for different dancers. I think people that are still building on Ethereum now, uh, DeFi, NFTs, et cetera, uh, it's got longevity. You know, it's just like, it's kind of like Bitcoin or like the Ford Model T. Ford has still been around for how long? Uh, Tesla is now bigger. But there are still more Fords out there than Teslas. So I think Solana is definitely going to be a contender in that smart contract space. It's got a lot of legs at the moment and it's building more support. I just read this week that uh, OpenSea are going to be adding support for Solana. Uh, it's definitely faster. Um, you know, moving, moving capital around Solana is actually quite fun. Uh, having to get your gas fees exactly right on Ethereum is a little bit cumbersome sometimes and a bit annoying. But, you know, you, pay, you, you get what you pay for. Um, and I think Solana's got legs. I think it's got real promise, even though it's brand new and people want to have a go at some of its reliability. Um, and that, you know, the, the chain's frozen a few times. 
that's happened on Ethereum how many times? It's been forked how many times? So Solana's still got some growing pains to go through, but I definitely think it has the community level support and the apps that are being built on it, that are being built on it right now come out so rapid and so fast, which just kind of attests to its level of support. There's how many different NFT platforms, there's how many different DeFi platforms, how many different tokens being issued on top of it. It's got a definite promise to uh, to make it up there and, and contest Ethereum for the number two spot. And um, you mentioned earlier on that you offer around about 35 different cryptocurrencies. Um, I've, I've Obviously, there's a lot of discussion that goes on about uh, how many cryptocurrencies uh, an exchange should be offering, and there's obviously hundreds of smaller ones which have hardly, well, depending on the week, hardly any volume in them. Would you say that that, that 35 probably covers some 98% of your, your clients' requirements? Yeah, so I kind of misspoke a little bit before. So we've got 35 trading pairs, but it's more like, tw- I think it's 20-something tokens because um, they're all with pound and they're all with euro, and then we have some Bitcoin crosses and Ethereum crosses, et cetera. So now we 20-something tokens. We're about to add some more. Um, but how we add them, um, and to your point, should a, an exchange offer all of them? Definitely not. Um, there are some, some exchanges out there that are just pure casinos. Um, you don't know what happens on the scenes. You don't know the the reason why they list such lower quality, lower cap coins, uh, mostly because they're getting paid to. Simple as that. They have the majority of the liquidity. They are making the market uh, because they're being paid to by the token creator, token issuer. Where we want to sit, we might get to a maximum of 100 tokens. I think that's kind of pushing it because you've still got wallet support. You've got insurance. You've got compliance. You've got all of that stuff we have to kind of bundle in together. And I think there are only really at the moment 50, maybe 60 really good tokens in the market that attract good liquidity, that attract good trading volume, um, that have some sort of utility or usefulness. I mean, sure, they're all doing something kind of similar or slightly different, and that will continue to to drift apart and make a bigger network. But I think um, any normal investor that's in this space might only be trading five, maybe 10 tokens, investing in a few because even if you're let's say like an ISA investor, you put $100, 200 $500 a month into your ISA for long-term investing, long-term saving. You're not investing into any more than maybe four funds. And those four funds are going to have what are probably global exposure. So do you need to be investing into 200 different ETFs? Definitely not. Everyone would tell you not to ever do that. So same with crypto. You go with what you know. You don't have to be polarizing. You can go Bitcoin only or Ethereum only. You can take a educated position and see me, I'm a dip buyer. I see something dip by five, six, seven percent. I'm a buyer on anything on our platform because we only support the highest liquidity tokens that go through a compliance process. Anything below that, you know, I've been through the ICO mania. I had close to 150 tokens in my possession at any one time, uh, and yeah, during ICO, we saw some like you know going up a lift, seven percent, seven percent gain. Like, it was just absolutely stupid. But trying to liquidate that many tokens and trying to reconcile all of my wallets back into one, uh, not something I'd ever go through again. So for someone getting involved, someone building a portfolio, someone you know getting involved in the space, I think five, maybe 10 tokens max, that will fill up all of your available research time, due diligence time, keeping track of the market, uh, or just keep it simple. 
Bitcoin and ETH, non-financial advice. <laughs> <laughs> and just so just before we close, uh, is there anything anything else you can talk about in terms of new developments on CoinPass? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we've got um, stable tokens coming this month or next week, I believe. Uh, we've been kind of demo trading them with a couple of key clients the last few months, and that's been really, really, really good. I think we're one of the first in the UK to offer it properly, um, not through some proxy in another country. So full UK, uh, deposit from your bank, buy your stable tokens. Uh, we'll add that across all of our pairs. So it's a net, an, an extra 27 markets or something like that. So uh, 25-ish tokens with pound, euro, USDT, USDC, Bitcoin crosses. So something for everyone. Um, staking will be coming next as well. So we're looking at um, staking for Polkadot, uh, Tezos, Solana, uh, ETH2, so ETH2 rewards. And then uh, after we do that, we'll start looking at some DeFi stuff around um, uh, automated market making with stable, stable coins. So the idea is, sure, we're an on-ramp and sure, we're an exchange, but I believe long-term that's not enough. We want to be a wealth creation platform uh, for you know, regular retail investors that want access to crypto in a nice, safe and secure way. For the business owner that wants to take a position in Bitcoin, because let's face it, your pound sterling is going to be worth 6% less next year than it is now. So you may as well do something. Um, and for the people that ask is, what should I buy? I want to give them options for ready-made portfolios so they can make those decisions on their own. Uh, we can't give financial advice, which is why everyone always says, do your own research because no one wants to go to jail, especially me. And we want to build some ready-made portfolios that when you're, you know, saying buying your £100 of crypto per month and it goes to a little diversified pot, you'll also be able to get staking income off the back of that. So those are some of the products we want to build uh, for our users in the UK because, yeah, trading platform, great. It's there. It works. You can put your orders on there. Happy days. But being able to stay in touch with the market 24-7 is impossible. We believe crypto can work while you sleep. It can give you an edge on traditional finance, traditional investing. Uh, it shouldn't be considered any different from any other asset class that you're in, whether it be property, stocks and shares, bonds, whatever. Crypto has a place now and it has been legitimized with the amount of action it's getting and the regulators trying to make a healthy environment. And we want to be on that healthier side of the market. We want to be one of those you know, compliant, secure exchanges. There'll be unregulated ones and they'll offer some cool stuff. But at the same time, you know, regulation hopping between different countries doesn't doesn't give the client the end user a lot of security and that's something we uh we definitely want to avoid thank you very much indeed for coming on the podcast this afternoon jeff that's that's been awesome thank you for inviting me i had a great time uh maybe do this again in a couple of months and i'll tell you where we're at you've been listening to the armchair trader podcast make sure you visit our website www.thearmchairtrader.com for your daily dose of financial markets news and sign up to our free newsletter there